Hey guys, thanks for tuning in. It's your host here, Nathan, with Voice of Reason podcast. As always, we are about knowing the Lord and making Him known, and I pray that this episode is no different. It helps you to be healed, saved, delivered, and set free in Jesus' name, so that you can then go and do that for others. Let that overflow into those around you in uh, just being the witness that God's called you to be. Amen and amen. In today's episode, I wanted to focus in on this idea around what is fact or fiction. So the difference between fact or fiction, how do you tell the difference? How do you know what's fact and what's fiction? And by fact, what I'm referring to is what's the truth and fiction, I'm referring to what's a lie, what's not true. Even though it might be an experience, it might seem to be real, it might seem to be true, but is it a fact? Is it the actual truth? And we have this all the time. I mean, imagine, um, uh, for example, one analogy might be, uh, you know, I remember when I was a child, I I went through a season when I was scared of the dark. And I remember my dad very graciously, very, uh, very well, very wisely um, taking me into a a dark room and, and walking with me into that and showing me, hey, you know, there's nothing to be scared of. And then turning the light on, helping me to see there's no difference. The dark doesn't mean anything different. You know, obviously you can't see in the dark as well, but he was just teaching me and and helping me learn that there's nothing to be scared of in the dark. And so that idea around fact or fiction, even though it felt real to me, like, you know, I need to be scared of the dark. It's, there's no scary when the lights off. Um, the, the truth is when the light was turned on, the fact is that there is nothing to be scared of, even though I felt it, I thought it, I believed it. I was wrong. So it's important to identify what is fact or what's fiction. And again, I I remember um, in the library at school where I went to school, there was uh, different sections in the library where um, they would categorize books based on what is a fact, a book based on facts, on science, on um, particular historical accounts, um, uh, basically books that are of a factual nature. And then there were books in another section of the library that were fiction, that were fictional, that were stories, that were tales, that were um, not based on, you know, reality in a sense, that were not based on um, on facts. So they were just, you know, stories, they were just fun, they were whatever. So the point that I'm trying to draw out there is in our minds, we also have this kind of uh, experience, this library in our own heads, um, in our own lives that have a basis in fact, and that have uh, more of a fictional nature. Certain thoughts, certain certain feelings, certain experiences we have, even though they might feel and we think that they are true, we are looking in the wrong category of the library. And if you're trying to find a book on, um, you know, let's just say Christopher Columbus, and you're looking in the fictional section. Look, you might find a book that's written about Christopher Columbus from a, a, a storytelling perspective that draws out some, you know, like a fictional element of, of his life. But if you want to really know the truth about what Christopher Columbus did and, and who he was and, and so on, um, you really need to go to the to the fact section, the factual section of of, uh, of of that library and go and research into that area and find books on 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 you know on a factual nature. 
So I'm drawing out the point here of that we also have this experience in our own lives. What is fact and what's fiction? And to start off with, I want to just point out this passage in Mark chapter 7. And I absolutely um, keep coming back to this over the years as a Christian. This passage for me personally is profound. I, I have benefited from this personally in many, many ways, in many different scenarios. And uh, the principle of what I'm trying to share here has uh, has had for me personally, and I know for many people that I've counseled and, and helped over the years as well as a psych, um, a profound impact. It's, it's really, really cool. So Mark chapter 7, um, and just reading from verse 15. So Mark 7 verse 15. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. So, (laughs) man, this is like so profound. And again, Jesus is the best, is the best teacher. What he's saying here, in my opinion, Um, And from what I can see through scripture, and we'll read a little bit later on, um, a bit more of an interpretation of this. But what he's saying is like, you know, outwardly, these things come and try to try to attack us, try to hit us, these things outside. And if we, and first of all, those external things are not the things that defile us. They're not the things that make us dirty. It's like if you're going for a walk and, you know, as you're walking, you get splattered with some some dust, you get, you know, things around you. It doesn't make you dirty within. It doesn't make you an unclean person. You need to wash that thing off. You know, you need to go home and wash your hands. You need to clean up. You need to have a shower, whatever. But that doesn't defile you. And in the same way, we have thoughts, we have feelings, we have these external things hit us, temptations, we have, you know, these things around us. And they're not the things that defile us. They're not the things that are coming from within us. You know, defilement is an internal condition. It's an internal nature. And that's not what defiles us. What defiles us. Rather, let's go a bit further down here. So Mark 7, we're going to read from verse 19. Um, Oh, sorry, verse 18. And he said unto them, Are you so without understanding also? Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from without enters into the man, it cannot defile him? Because it enters not into his heart, but into the belly, and goes out into the draught, purging all meats. The toiletry habits here. Um, (laughs) Moving along. And Jesus said, that which comes out of the man, that defiles the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Your identity is key. And if you believe that these external things that you're being tempted with, if you believe that your thoughts even, your feelings at times, if you believe that's who you are, that's what defiles you. 
that's what starts to come out of you. You start to accept it and to believe it and you start to speak it. Like, I am that kind of person. I am, like, let's say, for example, you have homosexual feelings. So you're feeling the same, you're feeling sexually attracted to the same gender. Let's just say, for example, and I know this is a controversial topic and so on, but if you start to believe that that's okay, you believe that that's right, you believe that that's, you know, who you are, that's what's going to start to change your internal nature. That's what's going to start to transform you internally and and defile you. That's not okay. That's not right. That's not truth. That's fiction. And you need to define what is fact and what's fiction. You know, society might say it's okay and, and whoever else might say it's okay, but that's not fact. That's not based on God's word and his truth. And it's not okay. You know, if you might, in today's class, society and culture, sorry to laugh, but now we're having trouble defining gender. Are you serious? Like boy, girl, simple. Check out the body parts. You know, it's not complicated. But what we're doing now, we're, we're dismantling um, just facts. We're dismantling that for fiction because it helps fiction. You know, if you, if, again, the library analogy, fiction can help make us feel really good sometimes. You know, you read a good story. It's awesome. You know, you use your imagination. You really get involved in the story. It's awesome. Like it's, it's, it can be fantastic. It can be inspiring. It can help us to achieve things. It can, you know, all sorts of things. And sometimes we read more factual books, you know, the more biology textbook or, you know, whatever it might be, or the mathematics textbook. These are facts. These are not uh, necessarily inspiring, although I find them incredibly encouraging and inspiring. I think they're awesome. But my point is that what we're doing is we're trading fact for fiction and we're taking a lie and, and pre- pretending we're, we're trying to make it truth because we feel something, because we think something. But it's not actually based in God's truth. It's not based on an unshakable foundation, which is his word, which is the gospel, which is, you know, scripture. And so again, coming back to that, when you get hit with some temptation, when you get hit with a feeling, when you have a thought that does not line up with God's word, with his truth about who you are, whether it's same-sex attraction, whether it's, you know, anger and, and, and whatever it might be towards your spouse, or you're starting to have thoughts of, you know, suicide and, and depression, if it doesn't line up with God's word and his truth about you, that's where you can start to take stock of that and be like, hey, 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 hang on a second. This is not who I am. I don't need to let this thing defile me. I don't need to let this thing define who I am and define me incorrectly. The way I look at defile is it's defining you incorrectly. It's a, it's a wrong definition of who I am. That's what in my you know contemporary uh, interpretation of it, that's how I would define it is, I'm being defined by something that's not true, by a fiction. I'm being defined here by something that's trying to tell me I'm less than. But it's actually, I, I'm, I'm better than this. Like, this is not who I am. And in John chapter 17, then and man, there's so much more I can say about that passage. Um, and look, I will. I'll come back to that, you know, 100%. I, I always come back to that, man. Like, that scripture for me is kind of like that um, linchpin. It's, it's that that hinge on the door, you know, and, and when that door um, needs to be opened, sometimes I get trapped in a, in a certain way of thinking or whatever, 
that scripture comes back and bang, like it just opens that door again. It's like, oh, that's right. That's not who I am. That's not what I'm about. You know, what does God say about this? And and it just brings me back to that foundation in him. And John chapter 17, verse 17, this is how we separate what's fact or fiction. It says, Jesus saying, sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. God's word is truth. And in Hebrews, we read how God's word is sharper than any double-edged sword, piercing, dividing asunder, um, you know, bone marrow, and it goes on. It gives this really powerful analogy of how profound God's word is in dividing what is fact and what's fiction, what is the truth, and even what our feelings are, and even what, you know, um, what we're feeling to, to what God's word is, what his truth is. It's, it's awesome. Like that's how we separate. That's how we, we sanctify separation. And he's saying, Lord, sanctify them, separate them through your truth. Your word is truth. God's word is truth. And so again, if we're feeling something, if we're thinking a certain way, um, if we're behaving a certain way and it, it does not line up with God's word is truth, we can rest assured that we're wrong. And we can come back to God's word and his truth and allow that to start to shape and define and change us internally so that our external begins to be transformed as well. And often what we're trying to do is you're trying to change the external. We're trying to change all this other stuff outside, like say, for example, anxiety. So we're working on anxiety. We're trying to change the anxiety. We're, we're focused on the fear, on the anxiety. We're trying to change that or depression or insert whatever issue that you've been focused on, whether it's like pornography or an addiction of some sort or a relationship, whatever it might be, we're focused on this external thing because we think that's what's defiling us. That's what's, you know, the issue when actually God's like, no, 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 no. It's what's internal to you. That's what's causing the problems here. That's what's defining you incorrectly. That's the fiction that you need to go to the, to the fact here. And that's what will start to transform you. So many, many, many times I've had thoughts, I've had temptations, I've done things I shouldn't do over the years as a believer. I've, you know, whatever it might be. And don't tell me you haven't either. We all have in one way or another. And it's coming back to the reality of the truth of the gospel. And in John chapter 10, 10, we read that the thief comes not but for to steal, kill and to destroy. But Jesus, he says, I have come that you may have life and life abundantly. That's amazing. So if something's stealing from you, if something's taking away from you, whether it's pornography, whether it's an addiction, whether it's, um, you know, a negative relationship that you shouldn't be in or you're behaving in a negative way, that's stealing, it's killing, it's destroying. That's from the enemy. That's fact. Or sorry, the enemy's lies are fiction and that's, the fact is that he's trying to steal from you. God, Jesus, he came to give you life and life abundantly. And so sickness, all of that stuff does not come from God. It doesn't mean we don't experience that. It doesn't mean we don't get hit with it externally. But it does mean that Jesus has come to give us life and life abundantly. So that's our standard. That's our plumb line. How do we know the difference between what's God and what's not? Fact, fiction. 
Go to John 10.10. It's an awesome plumb line. And so if you're struggling in a certain area, just being reminded that, you know what, man, like, you know, the fact is scripture is true. I'm sanctified through his word. His word is truth. And that's where I need to keep coming and getting my truth from. That's what I need to accept internally. That's what my belief system's based on. And that's what my heart is grounded in. And it's powerful, man. And so in John 17, verse 20, we read that Jesus is actually praying an amazing prayer, John 17. And he's praying here for us. He says, Neither pray I for these alone, for his disciples, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word. Again, the word, the fact, that they all may be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that you have sent me and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one, I in them and you in me, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. And so what Jesus is saying there is incredible. And he's saying that we are one with God through receiving the gospel. We are one with Jesus. We we identify with him. Our identity is grounded and founded in him. And there's a scripture that says, as he is, so are we in this world. Our identity, our nature is transformed through the gospel, through our faith, our belief that we place in what Jesus has done, and that transforms and changes our nature so that now the fiction of who we were prior to the gospel, prior to salvation, is no longer defining us. It no longer defiles us incorrectly. And we actually rest and stand assured in the gospel, in our identity in Christ. And in Galatians chapter 4, And what I'm doing here, as you can notice, is I'm drawing out scriptures on who you are in Christ, on who your your true identity is, on who your created value is based on. It's not based on, you know, your behavior, your actions, your feelings, your thoughts. It's based on scripture. It's based on what Christ has done on the cross for you. You know, if if um, if you value something poorly, you're going to treat it poorly. If you value something greatly, you're going to treat it really, 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 really preciously. And that's God's value for us is demonstrated through his sacrifice for us. He paid the highest price, you know, and take, for example, your marriage. If you value your marriage, you're going to treat it greatly preciously. That's not even a right term, but you know what I mean. You're going to treat it with great respect and great honor. You're going to put effort into it. You're going to work at it. I heard this great, um, this great analogy or example about marriage is that, you know, some people say, uh, you know, we're just living together. Marriage is just a piece of paper. It doesn't really matter. <clears throat> but then <clears throat> you'll go and spend eight hours, 10 hours a day at work and you're working for what? A piece of paper. Money. It's just paper, right? So <laughs> it's the same. You know, it's a, just a funny analogy, but it is true that we'll put all this effort into money, into a piece of paper that, of course, buys us things and whatever, when in our marriage or in our relationship with our spouse, we're not willing to be married or just living or whatever. And we're, even if we are married, we're not valuing it 
as greatly as we value money, you know? And it's so important to value your marriage more. I'm not saying that you need to spend, you know, 10 hours a day with your your spouse just doing, I don't know what, like, you know, working on the relationship. What I'm saying is you value that relationship more than any monetary value. Like it's worth more than anything like that. And I don't know most of you listening would, would see that. But hey, man, like I, I forget it, you know, to be honest, I... I, I need to be reminded of that reality and that truth. Um, and I am every time, you know, my wife and I um, have a disagreement or whatever, we grow closer because we value our relationship. We come closer through that disagreement, through that discussion, through that challenge that we might be going through. And we actually get closer together because we value that relationship. It also helps me as a man to stay focused on my wife. I look only at her you know, and even if there is temptation, if there's other stuff going on, you know, it just draws me back into that focus. Like, no, thank God, that's not who I am. That's not what I'm about. That's not what I do. And you come back to the gospel. You come back to your identity in him, in Jesus, and you stay stay focused on what your true values are based on God's word. You see, it's his word that defines us. It's his word that is the center of our mindset, is the center of our hearts. It's the center of, you know, it's the plumb line. It's the thing that brings us back to the focus, brings us back to the center. So, and, and in Galatians 4, as I was, uh, I was starting to talk and I went off on a rabbit trail, in Galatians 4, we really see an, an, awesome, an awesome summary of what Jesus was saying before in John 17 about who are what our identity who we are now and in in Galatians 4 uh, verse 4 so 4 4 but when the fullness of the time was come God sent forth his son Jesus made of a man of a woman sorry <laughs> made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons and because you are sons God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Wherefore, you are no more a servant or you are no more a dot, 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 a drug addict. You are no more a, you know, whatever your previous identity was. You know, you're a homosexual, you're this, you're that, you're, you know, whatever it might be, you know, or you're a good person even. You know, sometimes we're not like at the the throes of death and and you know at the we're in the abyss of of darkness and we come to Jesus. it's not always that situation it might be that we think we're awesome you know we think we're really good we think you know we're a good person and and you know we don't need anything but no no you need Jesus you need salvation you know there is an afterlife there is more to this world than just what you represent in yourself you know our lives are about worshiping God it's about knowing him and making him known this is life. This is eternal life to know him. So, um, and then, sorry, in verse seven, as I was saying, wherefore you are no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Amen. So you are a son of God. If you've put your faith and your trust in Jesus, that's who you are. That's your identity. And there's a lot more scriptures on that, a lot more passages that I can draw on to bring that truth out. But suffice to say that I hope through what I've shared so far that you can see your true identity in Christ and allow that to separate fact from fiction. So let's just say 
that after you've listened to this, you, you go about your day or whatever you're doing and you start getting hit with that same depression and it starts to hit you and niggle away and, and tell you this and tell you that. Look at that thought, man. Look at that feeling and does it line up with scripture? Does it line up with God's word? And I'd encourage you to acknowledge its existence, not just deny, not just shove it down. Acknowledge it. And in that acknowledgement, realize that that's not you. That's not who you are. That's not your identity. That depression, that anxiety, that temptation, that feeling, that emotion, that substance, that behavior, that's not you. If it was you, then you wouldn't have a problem with it. You know, you would just go about your day and blah, blah, blah. And what I'm talking to here, who I'm talking to are believers, right? If you're an unbeliever, it's not to say that you're okay with just anything. But I remember when I was, you know, not following the Lord, I would be able to do anything pretty much that I wanted to do. And my conscience was so seared. It was so like dead that, you know, I look sure I had a conscience and I'd feel bad about this and that, but really only if I got caught, you know? Um, and then when I gave my life to the Lord, it was just like, no, can't do that. Can't do that. And even little things like, well, big things now really is like little throwing a, a, you know, chewing gum wrapper on the floor, you know, in public, you know, or spitting on the floor or whatever. Um, little things like that. Um, just, just silly examples, but I wasn't able to do that anymore. You know, my conscience had come alive through the Holy Spirit and he was leading and guiding me to, to, to live a better life, to, to upgrade my standards, you know, which needed to be upgraded, thank God, to talk politely to people, to, you know, relate better with my parents, to, you know, love people, to be more forgiving. And all of that came from the Lord. So I was able to give it. You can't give what you don't have. So when you see yourself as a son, when you see yourself as a child of God, your identity being grounded and founded in him, you can separate what's fact from fiction through his word. We come back to the standard of God's word. Does God say that about me? Does God define me this way? You know, it's not okay to just, you know, put up with, with nonsense in our lives and think that that's us, you know? No, man, like you're better than that. You know, honestly, you, you've got promises from the Lord. You've got so much more to live for. You've got you know, these truths in his script, in, in his word that, oh man, it's just amazing. Like you don't have to sell yourself short. You don't have to do that anymore. You can let the Lord lead and guide you and, and his word be your plumb line, be your number one definer, you know, let him be your counselor, your teacher, you know, not your parents and perhaps what they said about you in a negative way, how they failed as parents, maybe how they, you know, did whatever coming to a place of ownership, coming to a place of where you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, where you're just like, no, no, I'm over this, man. Like, I'm going to live a life of being empowered. I'm going to live a life that is grounded and founded in God's word, his truth. And that is a rock. That is a stability that I believe as a psychologist, I've counseled lots of people. And I've seen like, if you put your trust and faith in um, people or in a certain way of thinking, in an ideology, in whatever it might be. Um, you know, people say, oh, I put my trust in science or whatever. That's shifting sand. That's going to change, you know, and 100%. And I've seen this happen countless times in people's lives. You know, the relationship ends or the science changes or, you know, obviously the scientific method should be applied in the, in a, in the um, same way. But 
the results, the outcomes or what we think is true right now, you know, that's a cop out. You know, I believe in science. It's science. You can't believe in science. You believe in certain principles or how to achieve um, certain, um, you know, how to, how to research, how to analyze data, how to experiment. Yeah, sure. But it's not like a, a religion here. You can't, it's not like, you know, oh my goodness. Anyway, that's a whole nother topic. But just to finish up with, I thought that Hebrews 4, um, that, passage I mentioned about the double-edged sword is so good. I just need to read it out. Hebrews 4.11, um, uh, sorry, Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is quick, it's alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. That, my goodness, that's a whole nother topic, but the soul and the spirit, what's your feelings and what's the true identity that you are as a son, you know? what's your true identity um and that that the word of god helps you to define the difference and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart you know often we're in a situation where we don't even know what our motivation is we don't even know what we're thinking deep down or we're not able to discern it god's word helps us to do that it helps us to drill down deep and be like, oh, far out, man. Like I've been acting wrong there. I've been doing this wrong. I've been thinking wrong about this. And through his word, spending time in his word, just reading his scriptures, that's what starts to shift and shape us and realizing, you know, oh, I was doing something wrong there. You know, ignorance is not bliss, you know. Um, it's It can be really detrimental. And so becoming aware is one of the keys to change. And through awareness of God's word, and awareness of our true identity in Him, these thoughts and feelings and temptations and all this stuff external to us that is external, even though we might be feeling it, we might be thinking certain ways, that's not who we truly are. That's not our identity. And we don't have to identify that. And you can actually try practicing speaking life, speaking truth over you. Thank you, Lord, that I'm a child. Thank you, Lord, that you love me. Thank you, Lord, that that's not who I am. And you turn that negative situation, that depression, that anxiety into praise, and you start to, you know, rewire, shift, you know, refocus your mind go to the right category of that library and go to the fact section, which isn't as fun. It's not as exciting often. It's it's not as, you know, um, bells and whistles on it, but it's truth. And that's what you need in those moments. You don't need fiction. You don't need to turn on the media. You don't need to, you know, watch a YouTube channel on motivation or blah, blah, blah. You need fact, man. You need the scripture. You need truth about who you are in Christ, in your identity. You don't need counseling even, even though it can be really nice to talk to someone. And look, hopefully they're giving you, you know, the truth and the reality of, of who you are in Christ. But what you need in those moments, even through the counseling, through YouTube, through whatever, you need truth. And you need to spend time in that truth and allow that truth to become so real to you that that's what you're basing your belief system on. And to be honest, it takes time. It just takes time. It takes time and effort that you put in attending to that truth about who you really are and allowing that truth to become real to you. And it takes time and effort, however you do that, through podcasts like this, through um, reading the word, literally, you know, reading it, um, through listening to the word, through listening to preachings, through 
talking to people that, you know, encourage you in that truth of who you are in God's word, not lies and deception and I just feel this, I feel that. Rubbish. That's rubbish. That's all just shifting sand. That's not going to actually define you. That's not, it can define you, but it'll defile you. It'll define you, define you incorrectly, right? And so we come back to truth. That's the key thing, man. And that, when you have that truth so alive in your heart, man, like everything else will start to take shape and start to look more like Jesus and what he's called you to live like who's he, who he has called you to be, who, um, you know, the life that God wants you to live and live out in Jesus name. So I hope this has encouraged you. I I pray that, you know, you know, the Lord through this and, and, and are able to let that overflow in your life and, and make him known in Jesus name. Be blessed guys. Take it easy. Bye.